says, and to all of those that would like to destroy the future of the greatest country in the world, our message to them is the same as my grandfather's. Them that's going, get on the wagon. Them that ain't, get out of the way. Herman Kane. Herman Kane. Solutions for a better America. Adam Goldfine filling in for Herman Kane. Thank you so much for joining me. It is six minutes after the hour, and that means it is time to talk to the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Jamie, good morning. Hey, Adam. How you been, buddy? I'm doing fine. You've been busy. That's all right. We're just starting to get uh, cranking for next year for 2016. I was talking with some friends of mine this weekend who were asking all kinds of questions of, you know, when this person's going to get in, when's that person going to get in. And, you know, in coming weeks, I mean, we've already got a few people who look like they're ready to get in in May on the Republican side. Some of the bigger names may wait till June. But uh, every day that goes by is a day closer to both Iowa and New Hampshire, which at this point in time are still tentatively set for uh, early February of next year. Are they expecting any challengers to Hillary? You know, as of right now, I mean, we'll have a few of uh, Democrats who are sort of not on her tier or anything like that. The former governor of Maryland, Martin O'Malley, seems like he wants to run. Maybe the former governor of Rhode Island, Lincoln Chafee, the former senator from Virginia, Jim Webb. You know, nothing against any of them, but they're not seen as a big-time challenger to Hillary Clinton right now. It doesn't mean they can't knock some, you know, uh, take some shots at her and cause her some uh, heartburn along the way. I, I would think the, the only one person in terms of a big name that anybody sees out there, and she keeps saying she's not interested in getting in the race, would be Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts. Uh, but as of right now, she just keeps saying, no, I'm not interested. You know, the, the Hillary Clinton team for just getting in the race last week. There was a great story in the Boston Globe over the weekend about how she already has 19 people paid and on staff up in New Hampshire. The the biggest Republican right now in terms of staff on the ground in New Hampshire is Donald Trump with four people. Uh, Nobody else has more than three. So, you know, when you think about getting organized, it's more than just declaring that you're in the race. It's building that grassroots kind of thing, and that takes people and experienced people and money as well. And, you know, that's what we'll see over the next few months. It's not only do you have a message, but can you build on that and can you organize it into something that then gets the message out to the grassroots? Let me, let me ask you a little bit about the messaging. I know that you've also been following the, uh, the budget outline uh, that's been happening in the House and the Senate. But with the presidential candidates, have any of them uh, come out with anything bold like the Chris Christie and the Social Security that addresses those types of budget or tax issues that are on a lot of people's minds? Well, I, I think Jeb Bush talked about uh, Social Security as well last week, didn't he, if I remember correctly, yeah. up in New Hampshire? I mean, Christie obviously has decided to touch the third rail, as we always called, of American politics. I mean, it, look, something has to be done for Medicare, Social Security, and other entitlements. Everybody loves to talk about doing that, but it's the bottom line is it's extremely difficult to because what did I see? I, I saw some report that characterized Christie. The headline was something like, Christie proposes cuts in Social Security benefits. You know, I, I think he would probably dispute that as a headline about what he wants to do, but that, to me, that crystallized everything right there, mm-hmm. that you come up with a plan that might make a little more sense in terms of building up the financial uh, wherewithal of the trust fund, and yet you're immediately attacked for, well, you want to cut benefits. Realistically, there's only three things, as I like to say, you can do about these programs. One, you can bring in more revenue, which usually equates to more taxes. Two, you can reduce the amount of money going out, which means you either squeeze the cost of living adjustment, or you uh, you means test benefits for more wealthy uh, retirees, or you just reduce benefits, period, or a combination of the two. I mean, that's that's your only options. It's, it's not really rocket science, but obviously it's very, very difficult to do. And around 
around this place in Congress, everybody loves to talk about what we got to do re- entitlement reform, but they know for the most part the only way they're ever going to do it is if both parties jump off that cliff holding hands together. Well, it's like, you know, people say they want to lose weight, but they don't do it, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I got to quit eating as much, and then you never do. Right. Or so, you don't exercise or whatever. Well, it's it's exactly the same when it comes to this stuff, and there's no easy answers. The, the medicine is not good. That's like looking at the budget. Well, why haven't we balanced the budget? Well, I'll tell you why. It's not easy. And everybody says, well, it should be simple. Well, it's not. Even the Republicans, who've been the bigger party in terms of talking about cutting the budget, if they had an option on the floor today to balance the budget right away, even in a just sort of an overarching outline, it wouldn't pass. I mean, if you look at the Republican budget plans that were approved in the House and the Senate, it takes them nine years in the House and ten years in the Senate to get to a balanced budget. And I guess that's the question, right? So you look at the, the, the political side, and you can see in the presidential race how clear-cut that third rail is. And then you know that they're trying to work on the budget, and the same logic would seem to apply, at least in Congress. If you touch it, you're, you may be victim to the same third rail. Sure. We had last week, we had a, a smaller kind of fix to Medicare, the doc fix, dealing with how Medicare pays doctors. And two of the no votes were Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz in the Senate. Cruz saying in a statement he wants more uh, broad-based entitlement reform, saying this is not enough. And I get that. I understand that. At the same time, I also have seen around here where that's it's just not easy to do. It'd be nice to think you could do a bigger plan. You know, and, and that's the thing that you always sort of watch is you know that what some people say on the campaign trail doesn't always then neatly sort of uh, sure. turn the page uh, sure. to what you can do in the Congress. And, well, and, well, you hear it even like in immigration. So they'll talk, sure well, nothing do. big. we got to do little small pieces. The budget. We should just do big, broad sweeps, nothing small. It's like, well, which one of those knives yeah. are the sharp knives that actually cut? Right? And, you know, the, the one I think one frustrating thing as a reporter in covering the race uh, for the White House is too often the issues just sort of get tossed off to the side. We don't. It's funny because you mentioned Governor Christie and his Social Security thing. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there one evening when, uh, last week trying to figure out what I was going to write for my blog for the next day. And I decided, I said, I should write about this because it's a different story. It's somebody actually making a proposal, floating it out there, and something that might not be popular. It's a bit better than just yet another story about how this person doesn't like that person or they said this or that. It's actual details. And sometimes those, it, it might seem silly to say it, but sometimes those actual details of what members want to do. It's easy to talk in broad, great, you know, uh, strokes of uh, verbiage, but it's different to actually put something down. One person who's done a lot of that work behind the scenes in recent months has been Marco Rubio. He's talked a lot about and put out a lot of papers on different things like tax cuts and other things, trying to put things out there and to put things on the table. The, the problem is if you put something on the table, then you find you're getting attacked for it because some of the details can be used to sort of jab against you. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I did a, an analysis of the last 115 years, the, the revenue versus the outlay, right? And we've only actually had a surplus in this country in the last 115 years, 31 times. I was about to say, yeah, if it's yeah. that many, I'd be shocked. Yeah. And, and in the last 50, Jamie, five. Yeah, yeah four or five is all. That's yeah. it. We've only, we've only had a surplus five times, which, which I guess could speak to either the ineffectiveness of Washington or the complexity, depending on your your. Bank you can pick which answer well, it you is. Know, you know, I think when Jimmy Carter left, he had the deficit was either it was either 39 or 76 billion. I can't remember wh- yeah. which which one it was, but it was small. We we tolerated those smaller deficits for many years, and then we started saying, well, it was okay to have over 100 billion, then 200 billion, then 300, 400, and it went up and up and up. And then of course we set the records in the Obama administration for over one trillion in a year. And 
it's not that uh, there are people here who are less inclined to make the cuts. It's just it's it's not easy. I, I don't care what they say. It's not easy. And, and when given the chance to make the sweeping changes, a lot of times it's just not done. All right. So, so the perspective uh, as the American public, we don't have your insight. We don't have your connections. But we, we, we hear these stories, and it seems that Washington is in deadlock. If I give you that example of the five you know, years of surplus out of 50, and you know we can't get tax reform done, we can't get Social Security uh, reform done, even though we know that's an issue, we can't get welfare reform done, are, are you seeing... Uh, you know, kind of any glimmers of hope? Or do you have something where you say, you know what, here are some small victories that are happening that we may not oh, yeah. know Yeah, I mean, the little Medicare duck fix thing I do think is a victory that you can't ignore. I mean, it wouldn't be exactly what people would want, but look, this is an irritant that had been there that they fixed with budgetary Band-Aids for 17 years mm-hmm. in kicking the can down the road, and they finally decided to get rid of it. What does it take? It takes leaders of both parties being willing to do something that really is, it, it greases the way that things are done in any legislative body, and that is, you get a few things, I get a few things, and then we join together and pass it. I heard they were working on the No Child Left Behind. They are. That uh, That's that's making a lot of headway in the Senate, in the Senate uh, Health yeah. Committee last week, but in the House of Representatives, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of conservative lawmakers who would like to see a, a big push on that. They had to actually yank that education bill off the floor back. At, I think it was uh, March, and so it's unclear where that's going. But I wouldn't count out some of those things. The issue, though, is it, the more controversial the ideas, then it gets that much more difficult to do. And you can understand why both parties would like to say, "Hey, I won the election," or "You know, I won this election. We should be able to do what I want to do." But it doesn't always work that way. And if you can find that middle ground, you know, it's I'll tell you what it is, too. It's relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking with some guys off the floor last week, members on both sides. And I saw one Republican, very conservative, talking to a very liberal Democrat. And I said, what's that about? And he laughed and he said, well, we're trying to do some uh, stuff on education. He said, actually, we, we wouldn't agree on anything else, but we found a couple things that we can agree on. And so you can actually find some people <laughs> who are doing anything? that. Yeah, there's got to yeah, be who are something. doing that legwork to yeah. say, you know what, let's do something small. And as I always say, it's the little stuff that does add up. I always like to say, yeah. you don't save for college in one fell swoop. You do it over a long period of time. Well, the same thing is true in legislation. You keep pushing and get a few things done. Before you know it, you've done an awful lot. All right, so what do we have to look forward to? What, you know, what's what's coming, let's say, later today, tomorrow? What are you what are you looking at? Uh, in terms of uh, here in Congress, we might finally break the logjam that's been happening over on the Senate side here, where I am right now, uh, in, with regards to a, a bill dealing with sex trafficking, and then that has held up the uh, uh, the nomination of the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, uh, yeah. the choice of the president. I, I mean, what's happening with that? Is that going to finally push through? Because that I, has gotten no traction. No, really. it, none, none at all. I mean, the administration has tried an awful lot, and Democrats have tried really hard to get the news media interested in this story, and it just hasn't worked. I really think that the White House thought that this would be a lightning rod for them, that they could accuse, in a sense, the Republicans of being mean to, you know, this historic choice of a black woman to be the attorney general, but it just hasn't gotten any buzz. It's a reminder, sometimes issues jump up and sometimes they don't, and I can't explain sometimes why and why not. 
This one has not. But uh, I think part of this, too, is the Senate Republican leadership wants to make a point to the Democrats to basically say, you can't jack us around as much as you think. Every once in a while, they're going to have to get something done that they, the Republicans, want to do, and the Democrats are going to have to wait, and that's part of this battle as well. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you spending the time. It is fascinating to hear uh, from you. Thank you for all your hard work. That's our very own Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington. Jamie, thank you. It's a pleasure. Adam Goldfein here filling in for Herman Cain. All right, what's your take on all the tax situation? Are there any solutions that you think we can actually engage in? Is there common ground? 877-310-2100. Filling in on the Herman Cain Show. Hear Herman Cain anytime on demand at HermanCain.com. Share the experience with friends and tell them to click on Cain 24-7. Some people say it's too complicated. Sometimes we just have to get our head out of the sand and do the things that need to be done. What are your thoughts? 877-310-2100. 877-310-2100.